yeah. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> just first off. Hello, Eddie here. How are we? What are we supposed to do? You just say, you just say, hey, hey, hey. That's what. <laughs> that's like that's one way to introduce French. Or Happy Friday. We gotta say Happy Friday. Happy I think that's Friday, part everybody. Yeah, Welcome Friday. to the Trimark stream. Minus Danny. Uh, Danny is under the weather, but he's running the show. Uh, he's in charge of the Red Siege logo. So whenever you see that move or get bigger or smaller, uh, that's that's his contribution today. He, as he would say, right? We have dot dot. Wait for it. Dot horse. I always like to call him one too many dot horse. One too many dots. I like that. One too many yeah. dot horse. And we have Dev, and we have me, uh, Brandon. We have another Brandon who's been on the show before, uh, Red Siege Brandon. We've also got, um, I guess, why don't you introduce your crew, uh, Brandon? I guess I, I get that pleasure. We have Mike Saunders, the principal consultant at Red Siege, uh, also known as Hardwater Hacker. And then we have Justin Polk, uh, who is another security consultant at Red Siege and is awesome. I, he, goes, he goes by the kilt on our Discord. Um, so if you see uh, see him on our Discord, that that's who that is. And we just had the ghost of Yankee Jim sh join. Who's that? That is Ian Briley, our uh, own resident uh, English expert. Yes, something <laughs> like serial killer. <laughs> yeah, serial killer. Definitely. I didn't want to. I didn't want to spill, you know, his secret out to the World Wide Web. I thought that was more of an internal R and D thing. Oh man, sorry about that. But yeah. don't serial killer and you know English major go together like this. They, they drive you nuts, don't they? So. Well, it's just it's an honorary degree for his commanding command of the English language. Nailed it. <laughs> nice. So what are we talking about well, today, guys? Well, why don't you tell me, Jake? I don't know. I figured you were running the show. You introduced us today, so I figured. Yeah, I just kind of took the reins. Like we, I said, I was the one that said, "Screw it, we'll just wing it." So this is me just winging it. <laughs> <laughs> but we're happy that we got Red Siege here with us. Uh, it is St. Patrick's Day, and as they so graciously, uh, graciously pointed out earlier, we are all wearing shirts. <laughs> no, only one of us has the green shirt, though. But hey, I have a green background. <laughs> This is a green hoodie, man. That's green. Great, Brad. This is this is this is green. Yeah, it's a thermal. You've just got. I'm looking at it like I can tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, uh, is that the right shade of gray that makes it look green? I don't know. <laughs> is, is it uh? Was it is it black and yellow or blue and gold? Yeah. Ooh, man. That's a that's a tough one right there. I actually yeah. saw someone wearing that exact dress. Uh, and and they took a picture of it, like half in shadow, half out of shadow, and it on on camera it looked exactly the same. Looks yeah, blue and gold in the one part, and gold in the white in the other. So bizarre. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I saw that Bad Code was talking about was his malware development, and I was telling uh, Mike Saunders and Justin Polk who. Um, who are both great at developing, uh, you know, Mike Saunders does a lot of our development for obfuscation, is working on a pipeline, and then Justin Polk actually uh, 
is in the middle of developing a stage zero implant that that's looking pretty successful. So I don't know if you want if uh, bad code if you wanted to talk about um, you know some of the stuff that interests you with that or, or if there's anything you wanted to bring up in that destruction or yeah um, discussion is probably um, the comms right communication like what is your favorite way of communicating now normally I like to look at business intelligence communication and kind of break away or segment a lot of my comms going out of my malware into you know, into the merging into that pattern traffic. Um, that's something, unless you want to go deeper into loaders and stage civils and all that stuff. I don't know. I don't know what the taste of the audience is. I'm just here talking about whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was told we'd just hang out. Yeah, okay. I'm just going to chill for a while. Yeah, go ahead and oh. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about communication and how things can be leaving your network and what is some of the best ways to hide that. Um, for the longest time, it's always been you know let's use like Slack or some of the communications, but you know lately they've been using um, all the types of communications going outwards, where they've taken a, a kind of a different approach on um, the VPN access and how the VPN tunnel goes out and modifying it so that way it can kind of skew inwards to um, match some of the um, the other VPN traffic that's within the network. Um, that's one thing I noticed that people have been trying to do is like mask their VPN to look more like a natural um, what's in the line of circuit of what's going out through the router. The other stuff I notice is, I don't know, I'm trying to walk I mean, out of the malware game for how long have you working at Trim, uh, Trimox for? A year and a half? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you've been out of it for a year and a half? Well, probably two years. <laughs> just before that, I worked at another company that, um, you know, it just wasn't where I needed to be for six months. And then I came here. So uh, what... What kind of uh, EDR considerations did you normally uh, do with your code, or, or what kind of things um, were you doing that you see most people don't do, or mistakes that they make, you know, when they first start developing uh, implants? So the biggest thing is their memory. So when you look at your memory and trying to protect your, this is when you try to protect your memory or try to Get your get the uh, shellcode in memory, and then you try to alter the memory state or the actual permissions within the memory to make it executable. Is that they kind of just make that one jump? They don't try to masquerade the um, provision state to the current state, and then those are some of the behavior patterns that um, like EDR solutions, AMS, AMSI, and all the other stuff are looking for to see like what was the beginning state and end state, and if that are they doing the following trend within there. Um, the other thing is when they encrypting this stuff into the memory segments, um, how are they actually decrypting it and to what state are they, um, how they decrypting it, how they protect, how they ensuring that when they're decrypting it, that they're, um, that the key or whatever they're using can't be run in the stand sandbox. So are they doing any type of sandbox uh, detection and evasion, or are they just like just showing it in memory, decrypting it, sandbox is going to pick it up. Um, in this and in, in there, and let's see what the full shell code is anyway, even though you have it obfuscated or encrypted, whatever the um, whatever which way you want to look at it. 
So they're not doing sandbox evasions or they're not detecting sandbox using like real time or, you know, some boxes now even allow uh, fake um, NTPs so that way they get back to real time. So are you even looking at some of the more advanced sandboxing are they are trying to emulate the actual um, computer or the machine itself? So sandbox is the biggest thing. Like you have to be able to hone down the sandboxing aspect of it and make sure you can truly identify sandbox. Um, some of the ways I do it is I did use the real time. So I try to see like MP the NTPs to try to request real time to see if it has access to the internet but, or even trying to go out and look at different um, URLs out there or DNS lookups. So do like a DNS lookup call and see what exactly I'm getting back. Um, because with DNS, you can set certain text records and stuff like that, um, like a couple minutes before you go in and then do a lookup within there. And if it's if the sandbox normally don't let any type of uh, DNS or URL lookups out, if they don't get back the right text record, then you know you're kind of like in an isolated environment. So you can kind of do things like that. Um, then you can look at the actual CPU information and some of the other system information, but most of them has been, most of them are using standard fingerprints of known systems out there. So you can look and see if they have any of those signatures within them and stuff like that. So, I mean, sandboxing is the number one thing people don't look for or try to evade. And that's how they get caught 95% of the time. Okay, thanks. We um, just had Jason Downey uh join he's also a, a security consultant at red siege um don't know if he's figuring that stuff out or he's just in the background just hanging out just taking it all in well i've had kind of potato internet all week so i don't think i'm a video but my voice definitely works all right. sometimes never heard that before sometimes. yeah <laughs> yeah well i mean if you didn't you know try to go and run away to different continents. I mean, can you blame me? <laughs> That's fair. Touche. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like, what else am I supposed to do? Like, I've got no kids. I've got no real anchors. Am I just supposed to, like, hole up in North Dakota and shovel snow like Mike does? Yes, like, no, I've got, got, got to go out of the world. You have to rest of us and be miserable, gentlemen, to talk. Right. That's right. I mean, you never know. You could have kids you don't know about. That happens. Uh, next topic. <laughs> <laughs> Are you trying to evade that one? Is there a sandbox detection going on there, Dev, with that question? I'm just saying, let's talk about the next topic here. <laughs> Sorry, so, that happened to one of my friends. It was... Let's get people in trouble, by the way. So not, not a fun surprise. Um, so I wanted to mention, and, and actually the tagline that I gave Danny while he came up with like the tagline that we used on Twitter about the uh, the red helmets and dragon quest or whatever was, um, so I was on vacation this weekend and I was wearing my Trimark um, t-shirt and on the back of it has the, it has our red helmet logo, which we don't really use as much anymore. We use kind of our shield or uh, the dragon logo or kind of more our go-tos. And I had somebody stop me and and um, he was like, hey, it's really good to see a security practitioner. And he goes, do you work with for Red Siege? And I said, no, <laughs> I said, it was like wrong, wrong helmet. I said, but they're some of our, our friends. Um, so we chatted for a little while. And that was kind of funny. And, and I was like, you know what? I never really realized that the logos do kind of look fairly similar. So 
I could see where that uh, is a little confusing, but there's no one else I'd rather be confused with. So, I mean, I mean we're both like red, we're both awesome. I like to be confused with a Mandalorian, Mandalorian but that's fine. <laughs> that's it, Brandon. You... you need to print them a Mandalorian helmet. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd yeah. take one of those. How do they confuse the? I mean, I'm looking at the helmets side by side. They're not really similar at all. Yeah, I don't know. I think you just see security. And and when oh. I had said it, and I said try Mark, he was he was like, oh yeah, I, I knew I recognized it. So he, kind of, I don't know if that's backpedaling or um, if he did actually. Because um, I remember when I actually when I joined Trimark, uh, I had seen the the t logo someplace and i had no idea where and so i swore up and down when i was talking to jake about it and i was like i've seen it and and they're like oh yeah tesla and i'm like no like i would it, it wasn't that and i had i had seen it before on some webcast thing or some blog article or whatever so i think it's funny that some of those just stick uh stick in your mind and maybe you don't even correlate who it is or what it is but it's like yeah they do security stuff Metcalf uh, barking in definitely works. Just, just show your image once in some presentation, just boom, burn it right into the back of your brain. That's it. I think right, part well, of it too is is just like seeing another hacker in the wild. You know, if, at least for like where I live, uh, it's like not very common. So like, oh, I just want to make friends with that person. Like, hey, let's talk about security stuff. You've got a helmet; it's red. We're we we're we're gonna agree on something somewhere. Let's let's do this. Exactly. Wow. Last yeah. year, about this time, uh, I went with my daughter to the zoo, um, the school field trip. And afterwards, I went and sat down on a uh, bench waiting for her to, like, come out of the school, you know. And a uh, guy sitting there on the bench, and I turned to him, and I'm like, you know, just chatting, shooting the shit with uh, another dad. And uh, after a little while, I'm like, so what do you do? He's like, uh, I'm in um, cyber cybersecurity. And I was like, oh, me too. <laughs> and so now, yeah, we... We chill all the time. It's 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 very rare. Yes, like you say. Don't know something really, uh, something really crazy. Uh, to show how exactly small the world is. Uh, both Brandon and I were in the Air Force at the same time, and we both attended basic training and tech school at the same bases at the same time. So we probably bumped into each other without ever like realizing until Brandon worked here. Yeah. So I don't know. World small talk to everybody. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What do they say? It's only, you're only seven people away from anyone in the world or something like that? Something like that. I believe it, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was the Wikipedia game where you're only seven pages away from... Philosophy, yeah. Topic. yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought it's seven too. degrees of Kevin Bacon was what it, it is. Like six like. degrees yeah. of Kevin Bacon, man. He's even yeah. more connected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's increased his, his reach. I think if you're cooking bacon, it needs to be bigger than seven degrees. Dad joke alert. Nice. Oh uh, boy. Yeah, sorry. It's it's terrible. This you time thought, of You thought this Brandon had bad jokes. No, yeah, he's he bad. Yeah. There's just another one. <laughs> it might uh, be bad, bad jokes, memes, and 3D printing. Brandon's bread and butter bread and butter. <laughs> <laughs> I always try to get into 3D printing, but I mean, after seeing some videos, and I was just like, oh, man, that's a lot of work. 
I no. I don't so know. I, Sorry, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say I was like an early adopter of 3D printing, and I told Kaylee, my wife, I was like, "Nah, this is the future. We need a 3D printer. Everybody's gonna 3D print everything. Like, if we need a replacement part, if we need to replace a broken thing, we'll 3D printed it." And I printed maybe three useful things in the time I've owned it, and everything else has just been like nerdy, like lol stuff, you know. <laughs> I love it, but it's not as useful as I thought it would be. So are yeah. you uh, the filament or the resin type of person, uh, 3D printer kind of person? Uh, I use both. So uh, unsurprisingly, I am a huge nerd. So I have a filament 3D printer for like terrain, for like wargaming stuff. And then I have a resin printer for like 3D models that are used for like D&D or if I'm just trying to be cheap for like my other wargaming stuff. Um, anything that I've used that was useful, I printed it in FDM because that's a little bit structurally stronger than, um, excuse me, than resin, typically. And... That's as much as I know about 3D printing. So. <laughs> that's literally all you need to know, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of them are really easy. The, like the FDM, it's kind of just like a glue stick with a, um, on a CNC, uh, <clears throat> You can, you know, buy it, set it up, and and be printing things you download download off the internet the next day, um, or even within an hour. Um, and yeah, most of it is complete junk. I've I've been able to make um, you know, some nice art or earrings for like seasonal earrings and stuff for people or or gifts. Um, but yeah, mostly stuff that the the kids enjoy, like uh, this. It's a a push rocket that. You slam it down and it goes, and it just—they'll just do it for like an hour, and it, it's a great time waster. Uh, and when they break it, I just make another one. So I got like four of them lying around. So speaking about that, when we were talking about malware earlier, that's another thing I love to do is send out those little stupid gifts, um, like the USB rocket launcher that you need a special driver so you can control it all, and then have your malware within there, or the special keyboard that has a macro on the side. That you need that special driver. Uh, you just sent like it was just embedded stuff in keyboards. So that's another hint for you guys when you like doing those things. Uh, send IT people free gadgets. They were more than happy to get about security. Install whatever drivers or executable they need, and uh, get it all situated. So I'm it's... sorry, USB rocket launcher. Yeah, <laughs> it's a mini one. It's like and then it controls it and. It has a camera built in, and you can control it and move it around and just shoot rockets. And you just oh, okay. driver on the mal for your malware, good to go. It's funny that you bring that up because in college, uh, one of the projects that I did is I 3D printed a little um, USB device. And what it is is it's it, um, it's a Arduino. I don't remember which type of Arduino. It's a little Arduino device that you plug it in, it plays a song over the speaker, but then it pretends to be a keyboard and then it sends commands uh, to specifically like PowerShell and then it runs PowerShell commands in the background. And, you know, the joke is that you'd give it to somebody and you say, hey, I want to play you a love song. Uh, give it to somebody else that you want to send a love song to. And it would plug in, it would do all that stuff in the background and it would open up PowerShell and do all sorts of cool stuff. So I don't know. 3D printing has its place. I just I wish I could use it more. Another thing you could do is get a tap, like get an i uh, one of those iPads or whatever tablets, 
and then update it so that it goes to a website of your own and then go in the office and just stick it up in office boards, like in between a, like a meeting room. And people will, you'd be surprised how many people will sign in to their website with the credentials to reserve that room and huh. actually just give you a bunch of credential dumps yeah. right there for free. So, I mean, there's, there's even that scene in Mr. Robot where they're just dumping USB drives in a parking lot. I remember the first time I watched that, I was like, nobody would pick up a USB oh, okay. out of the drive drive and plug it into their work computer. And uh, there was a Black Hat talk uh, that specifically covered that. And they were getting like 60 to 70% hit rates on that. And I just, I can't imagine, like, I, I could see being curious and sticking it into like a laptop I don't care about, but like your work machine, man, like, God, that's dangerous. Uh, I've seen people yeah. do stuff on their work machines that I never thought yeah. before. <laughs> Well, we had a, um, a physical pen test last year for a casino that passed for USB drops around the different sites, and we actually dropped one on the casino floor and overheard one of the employees say, oh, this must be like the numbers or something. Unfortunately, we never got a call back, but just hearing them actually say that when they picked up a USB drive was pretty cool. <laughs> I always used to think that with those you know because back in the day it was it wasn't that your usb was acting as a peripheral it was it was the auto run so you would get it you'd plug it in and then it would do the auto run and now like everybody knows to disable auto run right um but i i thought okay you know now whenever i find a usb now i'm safe because i know like it won't run or i'm going to plug it into my my linux machine or, or like max can't get viruses like this will be fine Right. Like, so I think it's hilarious that, and I honestly didn't even learn about how you can program one of those little Arduinos to, to execute commands. I mean, you probably don't have a whole lot of memory on a lot of those small ones. So, um, mm. but I wrote that, that executed and just dumped like the Wi Fi passwords. Mm -hmm. And so, on an SSD card onto it. So you could get oh, a ton yeah. on the memory. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's pretty cool that it does that now. And yeah, that's, guys, that people still, you don't even need the little sparkly crap on it. Like, it can just look like a, like, here's the one of them. Here's the one that I was playing with. Like, just put this in a parking lot. Oh, the bad, yeah, the bad mini USB. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be like, that, that looks like it might fit in a USB. The only thing I don't like about those, though, is the board is a little bit too thick, too wide. So getting the case and close it in is kind of a pain. But yeah. Yeah. Talk about 3D printing now. Yeah. <laughs> I I looked at that um, last year too about uh, getting the the off brand uh, version of the rubber ducky and and yeah it was just, it was just too wide it looked weird. Yeah. Did y'all see the uh, trusted sec? No, it wasn't trusted sec. Uh, the somebody that uh, hacked the YubiKey to run. Keyboard commands off of it. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's some, the, the YubiKey editor, modifier, whatever it's called. You can go in and put character codes in there too. I, I don't remember. It's up to like. The long press for it. What's up? Oh, you're talking about when they did the long press, they put the hack in there. So when you did the long press, it did. Yeah, I saw that. Okay. Yeah. 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 So... You actually got to plug it in and then you got to do long press by holding down the button, the golden button for like three seconds. And Something then. Like it... that. 
but it's, yeah, really, that's... it's really limited though i think you only have like 256 bytes of data so you really gotta uh pack that payload uh, <laughs> so be very efficient go back to demo scene style writing of just tiny little tiny little programs well, I mean, that was really the big race for the longest time in malware was, you know, trying to get that payload down smaller and smaller for the longest time. And then within the last six, seven years, it's like kind of like, yeah, whatever. It don't really matter. Um, we're going to find ways to shop it up. Like one of the ways I used to do it is, and this is, I think this is um, outdated, is I used to take images and just store it in the images and have the images be invisible on the Word document or even be visible and just store it in the image and then extrapolate it from the image and then reconstitute it back. And then that's, boom, there's your payload. And Microsoft for the longest wasn't checking anything within, within the images. So that was always a fun time, fun thing to do. But I think they, I, I don't know, maybe they still don't check it, who knows? Do you so, think adding just a whole bunch of garbage code in it like is a form of obfuscation uh, of your payload? I'm sorry. What? So, uh, it's actually something Mike uh, yeah. was talking about uh, yesterday. He was on uh, was it I, IT, IT Pro? Pro. I, yeah, talking about uh, putting legitimate data in front of binaries to bypass EDR. And Tet, you know, just the standard inflate method of tacking a bunch of data onto the end of it. But the way most tools do it is they either pad it with null bytes or they pad it with random data, uh, which there are things that are out there and check it. Uh, and if you pad it with just non-random data, whether it's a picture of a cat or a, just a you know, war and peace .txt on the end of it. Um, we did that recently with uh, with one of the EDR vendors, I don't know, can we say who? I don't know, but uh, on a test, we were running it and Corey just basically ran inflate on it, padded it with a bunch of text and the EDR was like, this looks great, I'll let you run it. And before it was like, no, you shall not pass. So, But that's going all tricks. back to the payload used to be, you had to get it down into your, into bytes level, Yeah, whatever. Don't really matter. Now it's like, can I get it to 250 megs so they won't scan it automatically? All right. <laughs> I'll just chop it up and scan like the first half of it or whatever, right? Because that's what some of the EDR will do is they'll just test piece. Yeah. Well, yeah, that and they either do signature lookup or they do match in or they, they, they take segments out and then disassemble it to see what the execution level state is and then see what you're doing from there. Um, there's a lot of those things they do, but so, I mean, was, uh, Mike, were you just, was that you or someone else that posted in one of our chats about, uh, running, uh, a binary from inside a password protected zip file? Yeah. Was that? Yeah. I gotta find that just, oh, just the other day. Um, are you doing like can... decryption? It is, it, I'm just trying to find out, I want to say it's a, it's a Tylus project, but, uh, uh, you know, it's, Tylus has a lot of great stuff. I don't know Tylus's real name, but uh, it's a JavaScript that will write out an encrypted zip to disk and then somehow 
extracts the executable from that ex, uh, encrypted zip and executes it, but it never decrypts the encrypted zip. So EDR can't see that your payload's in there, but you can run it out of there. I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling like crazy right now through uh, through Slack, trying to find this. All your Chrome tabs, yeah. Which I wonder if, it, I wonder if the segment of it is um, they probably shoehorn in a segment of it that's different than the rest, and then decrypts it on the side. <sighs> you know, if I can find the link for you, I will tell you all about it. Unless it's using like um, a CBC type of encryption, so that way they can do a pattern of segmentation. I got it, Mike. Drop it in chat. All right. Exec. Yes, thank you. I, it was a Tylus. All right. Yeah, so zip exec. Um, Tylus, for those of you listening, or if someone want to drop it on the stream so you can see. But uh, this, this is the description for it. Uh, the zip is wrap a binary tool into a password-protected zip. The zip is then base64 encoded into a string that's rebuilt on disk. Uh, the encoded string is then loaded into a JavaScript file or a JScript file. And uh, then they use comma objects to replicate GUI functions in Windows to execute the loader that's inside the password-protected zip without having to unzip it first. I need I need to play with that. Uh, I, just, I, I just came across it, and I thought that was magic. I hear that stream of words you just said. My little blue heart just just shrivels up. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do against that? You know, I, you know, coming from a blue team background, like that's where I came from, sysadmin, and then blue team. Like, I, I feel your pain. Uh, uh, I'm not quite sure what you're supposed to be doing with that. My probably the first thing that I would think is you've got JScript that's calling a bunch of com. Like there's how how common is that, and is that something that you can pay attention? Just be like, hey, this is unusual activity. But without having done a lot of that analysis, um, I can't tell you how common that is on systems. But well, can't you in Windows block um, isolate or block different com objects from even being executed on different permission levels? So can't you just then kind of just stop it at that level? So unless if you're an average user, some of these comms that are being executed, you just don't even have the access right? Yeah, that's that's definitely something you can do. But what is it? You know, don't know what it breaks. You have to test it, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you say that. And then I'm just like, that's going to break so many things immediately. Parity versus easeability. Hmm. <laughs> hey, man, if you can't use the computer, it's secure. DDoS is a way to access it through means like a, what was that one where they um they use a camera and then they were using something on the, a light indicator on the computer and then it was like Morse code sending the information across. Was that the drone in Israel, the data center? I think I can't remember. I just remember reading about that. I was just like, wow, that is crazy. Flashing a flashing an LED though, or flashing some type of LED on there, and then they picked it up with the camera and reconstructed the data. Yeah. And then you have the one where they used the microphone, sensitive microphone, to actually listen to the hard drive. Yeah. And if hard drive recording, they were able to play back and replicate the disk to some degree. 
like I don't know how many of you guys have read this, but Silence on the Wire. Yeah. Uh, that is uh, uh, Michael Zaleski. It is. He talks about all kinds of crazy things like that, about different ways of inferring things happening uh, without being able to necessarily directly observe them. Like being able to figure out, you put a microphone uh, above someone's computer, above their keyboard, and listen to them type for long enough. Just record, you, don't, you never have to know what they type, but you can analyze their typing patterns and reconstruct what they've typed based off of just listening to the keystrokes. You know, how do you defend against that? I don't know, type differently all the time. You know, so you do things like that, and there is a lot of different crazy ways of analyzing data uh, to exfiltrate information or to infer information. Like, it's a great read. Uh, great thinking material. Good thing we don't have microphones above our keyboard. Oh, wait, do I can? Damn it. <laughs> yeah, we're not carrying around a microphone in our pocket all the time either. Yeah. Well, the craziest thing is the uh, the accelerometer in your phone can be used to create a custom fingerprint of of you when you walk or get up or sit down. The way you do it, that can identify who you are based on that data. Yeah, basically, gait analysis just inferred through the accelerometer. See, that's why when I sit at my desk, I don't move. <laughs> that's how you have a stroke. <laughs> Also, it looks like I just noticed it. it looks like you're wearing a Red Seed shirt there. Looks yes, like you I got am. the cyber shirt. That's hell yeah. yeah he yeah. asked us, like, uh, everybody put on your Red Seed shirts. And we're like, uh, uh, we don't have them. So I'm just saying, braid time. Yeah, I mean, you want to set us some merch. That's, that's always welcome. Now we're going to have to fix that problem. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll talk to our, our people, we'll talk to your people. All right. <laughs> I think that's Danny. That's it. That's our people, Danny. <laughs> Make it happen. You're laying on your couch listening to us banter about nothing. Well, one thing I, I was thinking about um, talking for one of the segments was everyone's talking about chat, chat GPT and how it's going to replace all these jobs. And IT is like, don't say go ahead no. You don't know. You don't know where it's going with it. I'm going with this. GPT, what its plans are for the future, Jake? Um, I'm just saying, like, uh, one of the things people are talking about with IT and they kind of, like, messed up last year where all these big companies hired so many people and then they had to kind of rebalance themselves and then all these layoffs. Like, how many of those jobs are they going to try to replace with some type of AI now that ChatGPT was such a big hit? Uh, how, how many of those jobs that they, you know, replace with AI are they going to have to backfill with people double-checking what the AI has spit out? That is exactly oh, Willy Wonka, the second movie where they had they replaced the toothpaste maker thing and then they hired him to fix the machine at a higher rate or something. Uh, I guess no one saw that. Before. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> no, no, that's not a, there's yeah, a yeah. second Willy Wonka, right? <laughs> that's where that's where I was just like, what? Yeah, <laughs> it's over or something. I thought it was it's the one they redid it. So like, uh, yeah, it's the one with uh. Johnny Depp in it, right? Oh, the, 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 okay. So um, not not a sequel, okay. but the, the the new, just the new remake. Okay, remake, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know. I I, don't, I think like help desk would probably have something to be worried about, or maybe some type of customer support to some degree. 
but I don't know. I mean, there's so much intricacies in doing IT and especially all the end user stuff. Like, how much can you really off shelf to that kind of like artificial intelligence? I mean, like, every every time I've used ChatGPT to do anything for me, it's like you get it 80% of the way. And then I have to spend just as much time fixing all the shit. Um, I actually talked to a buddy of mine who um, works in medical supply, like he's like uh, logistics and stuff, and talking about doing medical billing with AI. And I'm like, no, no, don't do that. Don't don't the listen to their hype. Either. What's up? So the cartels don't want to use that AI either, see? I mean, like... <laughs> but yeah, it, it was just like, I said... You know that that's fine if you go ahead with it, but make sure that you are not, you know, accepting every answer that this this machine gives you. Like as long as you're got humans protecting, you know, verifying the data, I figure it's okay. But like if you just say black box, say this, and you're happy with that, I'm waiting. For, I'm waiting for a Sky Skynet to come true. I'm just waiting. <laughs> yeah. No, Did you I, see? I'm on their side. <laughs> Did you see GPT four hired someone off of TaskRabbit? The, the R's the R's article. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, GPT they they hired someone to test GPT four. And one of the things they did is they just sort of set it loose in like a, a small Amazon environment. And I don't no one's entirely sure what instructions they gave it, but at some point it needed to complete a captcha. So it hired someone on TaskRabbit to complete a captcha for them and when the person asked hey are you a robot it's like uh i've i've got vision problems so i can't do captures very well oh okay well i'll do this for you then talk about the uncanny valley like you get a weird vibe from your employer and you're like are are you a robot <laughs> i can't imagine a world where we have to ask that i mean i've been asked that I'll tell you that they're police just like yeah. robots have to tell yeah. you that <laughs> yeah <laughs> And thank God, you know, no corporate executives are uh, as, you know, amoral and calculating as an AI might be. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever seen the documentary about Bill Gates? I don't know. That's some scary <laughs> stuff, man. Like Bill Gates and um, how he became um, so when became so um, rich and grew the company. Are he you was saying, wait, are you saying that it's actually Bill Gates just answering all the Bing AI? Questions right now? I'm the same. I mean, he's retired. He has the time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like the documentary showed, like he was the one of the craziest business person there was. Like this rootless, just went in and just took over things. Yeah. Like his understanding technology was good, but his ability to do business, oh my god, was next level. So it was actually really good. <laughs> I, I, I could send him a robot. Like some of the stuff that he did was a social strategic. It's like, how do you see this? How do you have that foresight? But I don't know. Yeah, I uh, I loved when when Mike was on the IPTV yesterday and they brought that up. And Mike is a a very big non-supporter of ChatGPT, and his face just turned red. It was the only time his he was worried about being on there, and his face just turned red with anger. And we're all sitting there going like, "Yeah!" And he answered pretty well, but. We could tell he's frustrated right off the bat on that. It's just, I'm just, I'm just done with chat GPT. Like, like, can we talk about something else? AI is not taking our jobs. It's not intelligent. It's just not, it's, it's an algorithm. There's no intelligence there. It's going to, it's going to improve. It's going to need help. And just like, 
can we talk about anything other than AI? Yes, I, I keep telling people the exact same thing. Like, it's all machine learning. That true AI has not come about yet. Everything else is just machine learning on steroids to some level. I, yeah, it's okay, Mike. I'm training it for you. So in 10 years, it'll be fine. I mean, I think ultimately where AI is going to land is it's going to be essentially a second pair of eyes that just tries to catch some really basic stuff. Um, they've talked about using AI for uh, radiologists. And what it would do in that specific field is that it would just be a second pair of eyes to be like, hey, I saw some weird anomaly over here. You might want to look into that more. I don't think that we'll ever get to the point where we just let like a system of AIs talk to each other and make like critical decisions of like, well, open up the valve to the nuclear power plant to let water in, but close the dam. I don't think that will ever happen. You, you don't think that's going to happen? I will ideally be dead before that happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or, or I generate our nuclear codes for us. Thank you. But, <laughs> but, my I mean, different like, take on it oh, just a little bit is like, as someone who's been a musician my whole life, I can't draw worth crap, but uh, I also like to do photography, right? And the art AIs that are out there are incapable of original thought. All they are doing is putting window dressing on someone else's work and then not crediting them for that work, and which is copyright infringement. It's theft, right? It's it's blatant theft. So that makes me think, what are the other things that ChatGPT is generating? You know, like when we look at like, uh, what was it GitHub Copilot, right? Not only does it write terrible code, it's copyright infringement. Like if you're if you're a company that's developing code with that and you allow your team to do that, you're opening yourself up to a lot of potential legal issues. So that that's the thing that gets me about uh, uh, AI is that people are all hyped up about it and they, they want to just get going with it and no one's thinking about the ethical impl uh, you know, implications that, of what they're doing. Wasn't it well, they fired recently? About the about intellectual property with those type of um, systems, this extrapolating and building off of it, or something. Some copyright. Kind of uh, copyright office revoked uh, someone's copyright on a. I think it was like a graphic novel they had done, where kids large book. chunks of it. Say, say again, Brandon. A kids book, or or something where where There's basically the artwork was you know largely AI generated. Um, and there, there's a lot of discussions going on at the copyright office about how sort of how do we quantify this? What are the what are the guardrails around it? So, but to sort of build on you know your the the music bit, Mike, you know it's like the I was having a conversation with somebody about you know these image generators, and they kept insisting it's art, it's art. It's like well, no, because it's like if a person is doing something, even if they don't set out to do whatever their final product is, at some point they had to make a decision. You know, I I'm going to plan on trying to draw a dog and turns out they're not very good at drawing a dog, but they come with something else interesting along the way. They can decide to take that off ramp and follow that to a, to a conclusion. And AI, AI, you know, can't do that. It doesn't actually have any idea what it's trying to do because it has yeah. no intention. So. Well, it's the application of the tool. Like um, recently there's been a YouTube trend where they have the U S presidents um, playing video games with each other. And it's just an AI that's generating the voice lines. And, you know, for like 95% of us, that wouldn't be useful at all. 
but uh, the other 5%, you know, let's say that you're in a modding community and you need to do voice acting. Well, it is like one voice acting is a skill. And if you're not good at it, it is abundantly clear that you're not good at it. I'm sure we've all played mods where the voice acting was just terrible. But if you want to do the storyline and you want to have voice acting, because that's an expectation, uh, that AI can fill that gap, that role fairly well until you either a get a better voice actor or you just go, well, this is what we have. It's just I think it's more about the application of the tool than the tool itself. But that then gets into questions about, you know, are we putting voice actors out of work? You know, yeah. what is it? James Earl Jones's voice, I think, has basically been licensed for doing Darth Vader you know, in perpetuity to, to Disney. Um, you know, I mean, on the one hand, I, I get the notion that this is a tool that can let people do things they couldn't do before, but at what cost? You know. So I like so, one of the things. We've got a couple more minutes. Uh, Dev, did you want to say something else on that? No, I was going to say, I mean, like, how well do you think it's going to do when it has... Um... Like, like, how long before someone actually starts finding ways to actually hack and inject malware into those systems too? And then now those systems are governing whatever systems you put it to govern, and now they get compromised. I mean, that's my my biggest struggle with a lot of these things. Even if AI, AI was perfect, it could do it, it could translate, it could get it to what you need to do. The underlying principle is it could still be compromised in ways that you a normal human cannot be compromised. So... I mean, that's that's always been my biggest uh, worry when it comes to this kind of stuff and the people policing it and controlling it. Of how are you actually putting the check and balances? Are you going to put the three laws in state that they always talk about in there? Like, so. so you're not well, worried about Ultron. You're worried about um, somebody injecting code into Ultron. Yeah, I don't worry about a human using it for evil versus it being evil itself. That's right. Yeah, that's not bad. Isn't Ultron uh, when they injected the code into Jarvis? So, yeah, so I guess it's there. But Ultron decided to like that world that the world was a bad enough place, and like, hey, I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, Thanos both came to the same conclusions on that. They did. I mean, I got to admit, if you're looking at the world from the perspective of the internet, it's kind of a dumpster fire. (laughs) But I mean, that's the thing, you know, who's, you know, you're talking about, you know, injecting malware into this, like, well, okay, who's, who's doing quality control on the data sets that are being fed into these things? Uh, Because in some of these cases, the data sets are so massive, you, you can't actually have someone be looking over all of it or even a meaningful fraction of it. Yeah. So, I mean, how, how do you even do that? I mean, even humans are like susceptible to that. Like, for example, like I, I said it earlier, like if we put an AI system in charge of a nuclear power plant and it's running all these complicated systems and it gets one d- bad data feed and it makes one bad decision that snowballs into all these other bad decisions. I mean, that is exactly what happened with Chernobyl. Like they got bad data. They didn't follow safe uh, safety protocols and made one bad decision after another. Um, so like... I don't know. It's all kind of the same to me at this point. Yeah, wasn't it yeah, also I like of, um, AI only lasted like a couple of seconds before mm-hmm. it became like this racist and really bad and they had to shut it down? Yeah. yeah. Well, to be fair, it uh, that data was fed by humans. And right. I, I don't know. I prefer my bad data to be fed to me by people instead of uh, robots. There's, there's plenty plenty of that going around. 
cool. just heard the, the ghost of Danny saying five minutes. Five minutes. <laughs> we just get to I wanted to shift so shift really quick because one of the thoughts I had that you had talked about using it for like cardiologists is like that second pair of eyes and stuff. So the thought I had on that is in IT, perhaps it is going to you know, check code or it's going to do something else. Is there going to be the same sort of like alert fatigue that we get with certain things? Like as soon as this AI starts like looking over your shoulder and saying, hey, you could do a better pen test or you could write a better report. Or have you looked at the circles over here in this area? You're going to be like, shut up. Like, I know that. Like, you tell me that every time. And, and like, so are we going to be fatigued by that sort of thing too then? I mean, that just becomes another, you know, sensor or, you know, or dashboard that needs tuning at that point. You know, but we all know I, that not everybody does a great job with that. I forget who it was, um, but when I was at B-Sides, uh, I think in 2018 maybe, uh, there was a company that was doing an overlay for your website where it would, or, or for your, like if you're doing a, an attack box or, or doing any kind of IR, where it would pull strings off the screen and it would search like databases or search, um, I don't know, different, uh, what was the virus total and, and give you like, it's called like Intel feed or something. Uh, and it would pull Intel feed of what you were actively looking up on your screen and like a sidebar to help assist in, uh, things. I think I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, yeah, it was those screen overlay and it kind of highlighted like telephone numbers or different information and gave you like that matrix and you can write your own APIs into it. I think I, I used that before. Um, it actually was nice. It was just ridiculously expensive. I'm over here just thinking about all of the clients' legal teams that are pulling yeah. their hair out, being like, wait a second, you're feeding all our data into an AI, a third party, to analyze what you should do next, and now all the clients' data is in another silo over out here? Yeah. Like well, that's okay. The cloud is a dumpster fire. Uh, like. Those are the things that people that design those systems don't at all think about. They're just like, this is going to be awesome. Who cares about privacy? Privacy is overrated. Privacy died yeah. in 1982. Yes. <laughs> and for people, individuals, privacy is largely dead. However, for us as professionals, as practitioners, uh, we have both ethical and legal obligations to protect that data and to use it widely, wisely. Yeah, pr privacy is dead for people, but for corporations, they have lawyers to enforce it. So, yeah. <laughs> bingo. Yeah. All right. So, if Danny was here, he'd say, "Okay, we got two minutes left in the stream. Let's go around the horn. Final thoughts. Dot horoscope. I have none. I I, I drank some." Uh... Old Forester 1920. So I'm, I'm feeling good for a Friday. New stuff. That's all. Yeah. That's why you're smiling like that. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> all right. Other Brandon. That's it. Uh, thanks for having us on, guys. Uh, Dev. Uh, for the overlords of um, AI, I'm on your side. Take me with you. <laughs> uh, Hard water. All right, everyone. Too much cyber is bad for your health. Get outside. Get outdoors. Go for a walk. Go bake some bread or just, just do something that's not on the computer. Enjoy. Yankee Jim. I love that name, by the way. Thank you. Uh, 
Yeah, I, for one, welcome my AI uh, overlord looking over m my shoulder because uh, I do a lot of really dumb things or I miss things, so it's always nice to have a second pair of eyes. And the kilt. Um, I'm going to back up Mike. Yeah, go outside, leave your, phone, <laughs> leave your phone inside, get away from screens for a bit, enjoy the feeling of the sun on your face. You know, but hey, it's Friday. It's almost the end of the day. You know, everyone should have a good weekend. All right, do we have we have one more non-visual guest? Are you here, Jason Downing? Oh yeah, yeah, that's me. Um, being stupid will get me fired a lot quicker than AI will, so I'm just gonna stick to what I know for now. That's right. Stick to stick to your own mistakes. Yes. Um, if, oh, if, if Molly were here, she would say, "Well, you haven't been fired yet." So yeah. true. <laughs> It gets harder the longer it goes along, right? Yeah, no, I feel the same way. Um, so thank you, guys. Uh, I don't have anything else. Thanks all for joining. Uh, I don't think Danny's on mic, but I'll say thanks for him on behalf of Trimark and Red Siege. Hopefully, uh, you'll join us all. Um, plug for Red Siege. Wednesday Offensive is the, the only one I really know of. You guys also have a Thursday one, correct? No? Uh, that's that's not recon. Us. Okay, well, screw those guys. <laughs> They, right. they, they are doing it in emulation of us, and they're doing pretty great with that. Yeah, Thursday defensive is, is pretty cool. Okay. Also, B-side rock is tomorrow, so in Rochester area, the B-side is tomorrow. Okay. All right. Go, go give, go give uh, Bad Code a hug if you're in Rochester. Yeah, I don't like to touch any. <laughs> happy Patrick's Day. All right, cheers, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Uh, takes off.